Hey there, We Can't Wrestle Podcast listeners. If you haven't noticed, we have switched our server to Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Highly recommended by me and everybody else here at the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. And Nate, Aaron, and Kyle here with you. Gentlemen, how's it going? I'm good. It's good. It was all in last night. Yes, it was all in, not just the tip, right? No. It was all in. It was all, all in. So maybe that's maybe that's my problem why I'm divorced. Maybe I'm the bad the bad guy on that. <laughs> maybe I maybe it's my fault for not going all in. I don't know. I don't know, but I know uh the uh the listeners of the show, some may have seen the show, some may not have seen the show. But um well, let's talk about it briefly. What did you guys think overall? It was a pretty good show. Yeah, it was. I will say fuck Spectrum. <laughs> yeah, we had some uh, internet connection issues. The first issues of the night were streaming issues from the uh, the pay-per-view itself. We were watching on Honor Club, and then the uh, the last part, the last issues were, you know, Spectrum just decides randomly once or twice a day to just turn your internet off. So, I don't know. Unfortunately, I got there towards the very end because it was my nephew's birthday, so... Yeah, well, but, but. Tor- towards the very end in a wrestling pay-per-view, and nowadays you still got three hours left, you know, so... Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. it was, you know... Because wrestling pay-per-views are now all-day things. So, overall, I thought the show was pretty good. I think that if they set, if they were billing it as the biggest indie show of all time, it lived up to the hype. Lots of... Uh, Lots of indie show staples, you know. You had your uh, you had your fairly unknown wrestlers on the show. You had a you know you had a, a garbage match. You had a women's match. You had some legends. The Booker put himself over as the champion. So it was it was your standard indie show, you know, pretty much. Well, I put this out there. I put on the internet, um, and I'll read it as I. As I wrote it, it says, Joey Ryan mocking The Undertaker was the only black guy on an otherwise good show last night. Fuck Joey Ryan. <laughs> he should be tired and feathered, then dragged into the street and pissed on. He's disrespectful, unta- and, uh, he's a disrespectful, untalented piece of trash. Okay? Yes. That's what I said about that. I saw that. Okay. Yeah, fair enough, because really and truly and honestly, that was about the stupidest thing. I think I probably have ever seen was giant dicks coming out and fucking carrying off hangman page. Uh, yeah, it's like you guys were wanting to take this fucking serious. You want this to be a serious thing, and then you're gonna fucking do that. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't find the guy entertaining. Never have. Never will. Um, so I'm with Aaron. Fuck Joey Ryan. Fuck Joey Ryan. You lollipop and sucking cocksucker, fuck you. <laughs> uh, I hope I'm with Aaron. I hope he gets hit by a car. 
No, a UPS truck. Oh. Yes, that's what I put. I, saw I you... just hope he gets fucking... I just hope he fucking stubs his toe, because, like... And then it gets infected, and... <laughs> like, fucking, that's too easy to fucking just kill him. <laughs> Let it... Die slow, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> like Tupac. Then this... <clears throat> then this one guy jumped me. Like, he started yelling at me. And was like, um... Was... I don't even remember what his name was. He's a... He's a piece of shit, too. Um... Yeah, let's see this. This Panch. That's how I guess that's how you say his name. Panch. I, I don't... I don't know. But, um... This guy says, I thought it was funny. And then this other guy says, and this is the guy that was attacking me, this, this pants guy. And he goes, I actually laughed. And then this Chris guy said, I actually laughed too. How'd you like the show overall, pants? And then you know what he said? What? I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> Just a few highlights. <laughs> well, then. See, that's what I fucking hate. I hate. So I like this Chris guy. He was this Chris guy. is like, you're arguably the worst fan of all time. <laughs> Did you buy it and watch it? Nah, I'm going to wait till. <laughs> but damn it, I got something to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you fucking people just got something to fucking say. <laughs> you're arguably the worst fan of all time. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, uh, so coming up on the show this week. Uh, oh, uh, go ahead. Because um, this is what this guy said. Nobody actually buying all in stayed away because of Joey Ryan. First off, he wasn't even announced to appear on the show. Um, so anyone using that excuse is a fucking liar. Secondly, all of you people claiming Joey Ryan is horrible don't even watch indie wrestling. Anyway... You're just looking for something to complain about. This is a guy that hadn't watched the show yet. <laughs> but then this day, this guy is funny because he's like, you may not like Joey Ryan, but you know who he is, and people talk about him exactly what a wrestler wants. And then this barren guy goes, a lot of people also know who Buck Zumoff is. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, in that same thing, it's like everyone knows who fucking Jared Fogle is. Everyone knows who Adolf Hitler is. I mean, <laughs> just because you're fucking known doesn't mean you could either be famous yeah. or infamous. And Joey Ryan's fucking infamous. Yeah, this but, Panch guy, he pissed me off. He was like, you don't know what you're talking about. And you don't watch indie wrestling. Well, what do you think of the show? I haven't seen it well, yet. I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> well, I'm going to get on my computer... And yeah. fucking tell you why it was bad. Like, all right, man. <laughs> cool. Um, speaking of... You are arguably the worst fan ever. <laughs> speaking ahead. of um, funny, fun shit, uh, have you guys watched the Eric Bischoff 1994 thing yet? From k Commentaries? No. Uh, timeline, it is pretty fucking interesting. I watched that, and he goes through a bunch of stuff, different stuff, because, well, 1994 is when Hulk Hogan 
And then he said something pretty interesting that like everyone talks about Hulk Hogan getting creative control. And he's like, tell me who the fuck doesn't have creative control if you're a top guy. Right. Stone Cold Steve Austin fucking had creative control just because we put it in his contract. But if Stone Cold don't want to do something, he ain't fucking doing it. Same with The Rock or anybody else that's been on top. Yeah, Stone Cold never put up, never, he he vetoed, uh, in 99, he vetoed both a feud with Jeff Jarrett and a feud with Billy Gunn. So. But yeah, he's just like, I don't understand all the shit talking about it because every, anybody who's the top guy is going to have creative control because if they don't want to do it, well. The reason I like the reason I like to listen to Eric Bischoff is because Eric Bischoff is, um, you know, ninety nine point nine or not ninety nine point nine percent of the time. I'd say sixty nine point nine percent of the time. You know that you can tell Bruce Pritchard is just like towing the line and kind of full of shit. Tell not necessarily full of shit, but just telling the story from his point of view. Yeah, and not accepting sometimes reality whereas with the reason i like bischoff is because bischoff is was more a businessman than a wrestling guy so eric bischoff can speak to the business like a business and what he says makes sense and is almost irrefutable a lot of the ways that he says it um Sometimes he is full of his own shit in that he, I mean, he, he's an arrogant prick, but to be in the position he was in for as long as he was in it, you have to be. So sometimes you have to get past that about him because he's really smug. But overall, most of the time when he talks about stuff, he's right. And you have to, you almost have to admit it that, and and he's also willing to admit when stuff is shit. Like, he'll say, oh, yeah, that Dungeon of Doom stuff was ass. But we were just doing it to keep Hogan happy. So from a business standpoint, it's what I had to do. I had to keep my top guy happy. Fuck, I got a company that's losing money, and I've got my hands on Hulk Hogan. Why would I want to piss him off? And then when you listen to it from that perspective, you're like, eh, you know, the guy makes sense. <laughs> right. Well, and he makes it makes a good point because he's talking about Macho Man coming in. And he's like, you know, I wish I would have appreciated macho man more for everything he did than what i did mm-hmm. because you know he's like with macho man i didn't have to pay a goddamn thing no slim jim pretty much uh yeah it's to... it blew me away because he's like yeah for that first year i didn't pay for macho man slim jim did mm-hmm. so it was fucking free <laughs> mm-hmm. yep mm-hmm. dig it dig it dig it <laughs> So on this week's show, we are going to do a top 10 edition of the show. It's going to be top 10 favorite gimmicks of the 90s. And the only parameters when I gave this rule this to the guys was that the gimmick had to have been created and debuted between 1990 and 1999. That was the only parameter. So we're talking about gimmicks from the 90s that were created in the 90s and uh, and debuted in the 90s. Now, before we get to that... We will do our uh, standard modern product talk. We also talked about, we already talked about All In. What did, uh, Aaron, have you watched Raw or SmackDown yet? I did get Raw watched. Okay. I thought the angle at the end of Raw was actually one of the better angles they've done in a while. I liked the Strowman quote-unquote heel turn. I don't know what anybody else thought. 
Well, uh, you can't turn somebody heel on Roman Reigns. <laughs> well, but, but they turned him heel on the Shield. So that's no, different. No, they turned him heel on Roman Reigns. He beat up Roman Reigns, so they tried to turn him heel on Roman Reigns. They wanted him to turn on somebody. He should have been teamed with like Dean Ambrose or somebody that people give a shit about. Now, what I will say that I why I think the gimmick worked was when Roman Reigns. I'm not saying it wasn't a bad angle. Oh, I know. I'm just saying, but where the, from my perspective, <laughs> the way it worked. First of all, it worked. It, it worked for me personally because I liked it. I liked. You know, you don't. You know, it's funny because we came out of the Attitude Era where everything was a swerve all the time. So now it's cool to see a swerve, especially I didn't see it coming. Like you know what I mean? Like most of the time in pro wrestling now, something happens and you're like, "Well, I saw that coming," and that wasn't surprising. That was that was you know same old same old. This was actually like a good old fashioned wrestling angle that played out on the show. Uh, Tony, when they when they get to how hell hell or whatever. They're going to boo Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose, too. Well, it's not the first time that Roman well, Reigns has brought heat on people, you know. Well, but it, it also, I mean, that to that to that matter, you know what? Fuck those people. Cause and, that they'll, just, and they'll that, try to end it with that, with that match. But something like that is just, if, if these people start booing, I mean, they don't have to prove it to me. I won't say that they're, because they, they already prove it to me all the time. The modern wrestling fan are the worst people ever. If these if these people start booing Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose, who two weeks ago they just were gooing in their pants over because they're aligned with Roman Reigns, then they're lame fucking wrestling fans anyway. You know? Like, I'm actually almost sick of people booing Roman Reigns. The guy's not terrible. He shouldn't have to push... He shouldn't have been pushed down people's throats. I understand that. But it's time to stop that garbage, you know. Like whatever. I I don't know. I don't know. I I'm not trying to come to WWE's defense, but what I am saying is that that especially like your New York crowds and shit like that. These people are just terrible fans. Like, why do you even go? It's like I said last night. You, I said the thing about it is that the people fucking work. And they think they're the smart ones. And it's like, no, you're not. Because guess what? Roman Reigns is a heel. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the fucking heel as we know it doesn't exist anymore. Right. Well, and I'm sorry. It doesn't. And and the Attitude Era blurred those lines anyway between face and heel. So, I mean, you do have your guys around that play your standard baby face or your standard heel. Like... Well, I mean, I can't even say it about Miz anymore. I used to say Miz was a great heel, but it, if I'm judging by heel standards of, you know, the 80s and 90s, then he's a terrible heel because people are actually cheering him now. You know, so it, now you almost just have to look at a wrestler as to whether they're a good or bad performer. But even then, it's okay. Think about how many times have you watched a Monday Night Raw in uh, Kevin Owens will come out and be like, you fans here in Philadelphia suck. And everyone's like, yeah! Yeah, we suck. <laughs> because they, you know, like, Kevin Owens cuts a good promo and he's a good wrestler, so what's to hate about him? Right, well... People, and... people like the fact that he's a good heel. Mm-hmm. So how do you make a heel a heel? Well, by fucking making people think that Roman Reigns is being pushed down their throats. 
Yeah, it's not as black and white as it was, you know. And well, yet, people were bitching about it. I'm like, oh well, Roman Reigns getting pushed. Yeah, because they're fucking wanting you to think that because you're getting work because Vince is just as much of a fucking genius as he was twenty years ago. And he, I guess, to a certain extent, also, you. If Raw's in Los Angeles or Raw's in New York or Raw's in Pittsburgh or Raw's in, you know, your certain areas where you have a a rougher crowd or whatever, you're going to have those reactions. But I I think another thing they look at with Roman is when they go to Des Moines or they go to Topeka, Roman Reigns gets cheered just like they want him to. And he sells the most merchandise. Of course, they also produce the most merchandise for him and make more merchandise available for him. <laughs> but he is the number one merchandise seller in the company now, too. So somebody's buying the buying the shit, you know. Well, and but it, and that's a good point because you think about it. They have the WWE Shop dot com or whatever, and mm-hmm. the thing about that is that any of us can go on there and buy fucking a T shirt from there, but. Uh, when's the last time you bought a t-shirt from WWE shop and it wasn't pro wrestling tees, right? You know, the point is the, the fans that are smart go to pro wrestling tees and the fucking like to me, the only merch that really gets sold is from kids and people who go to the live shows and people that are buying shit for their kids. Yeah. Anything else anybody wanted to mention from Raw? Nope. What about SmackDown? Didn't watch it yet. Haven't watched it either. Okay, well, I know... um, From what I saw of the show, it wasn't terrible. Um, The... The Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, they have announced that Orton and Jeff Hardy are going to be in a Hell, of Cell, Hell in a Cell match. I don't know if they're, to me, their feud has, eh, whatever. Their feud their feud really doesn't need to, it's not to the point where it even needs, I don't even think they've had a one-on-one match. So No, but it's, it's a chance for Jeff Hardy to jump off something tall. Yeah, that and nowadays, you know, in the modern wrestling era, well, we have a pay-per-view called Hell in a Cell in November, or in September, so hopefully we have some... That's what's funny if you think about, like, if you're trying to think about it like it's it's real and not fixed. That would mean the WWE promoters were just praying every single year that come September or October they were going to have some people that really wanted to beat each other up inside a hell of a cell. That's why, you know, people shit talk uh, in your house, but I enjoyed it because it's like shit in your house was a separate thing. Mm-hmm. Like, it was in your house, but then they could do a tagline like Revenge of the Taker or... Buried Alive or Final Four. And it felt more spontaneous. It felt more yeah. real. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to say that, yes. Um, all right. I don't think there's anything else. We've covered all in. Raw Smackdown. Um, probably the most interesting thing going on right now on NXT is the... Uh, the Who Attacked Aleister Black storyline. Yeah. And it'll be Rikishi. He did it for The Rock and he did it for the people. <laughs> <laughs> I did it for Kono Reeves. 
it for the people. Uh, <laughs> speaking of The Rock, for those of you that have not heard yet, apparently WWE is pushing, trying to get The Rock to come to WrestleMania this year to face Roman Reigns in the main event. Uh, why? <laughs> for two reasons. First of all, somehow, someway, it's like they think that having a match with The Rock is going to get the guy over more. But secondly, the other reason that they're pushing to try, I think, to try to get Rock to face Roman in the main event at WrestleMania is it's their own doing in that they don't, they focus so much on legacy stars during WrestleMania season that they don't, uh, they don't ever build anybody up enough to be a, a a challenger for their big star at WrestleMania. You know, we've gone through this era of Goldberg and Lesnar and et cetera, et cetera, and Undertaker and stuff at the top of WrestleMania, and you've you've essentially not created WrestleMania-worthy main event stars to main event WrestleMania. Yeah. And, but, I don't know. It's the problem is that somewhere it has to start. I mean, you have to do it somewhere. Can't fucking. I mean, in five years, fucking rocking gonna do it anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, and they they just I don't know. They the guy they've other than other than the Shield, the guy they've done the best with the past ten years is Braun Strowman. They did they did create something with Braun Strowman, but there have been so many things that had so much potential. That didn't get, you know, Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens should be 20 times the star he is with the talent that he has. Um, Finn Balor. Uh, Bray Wyatt. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, just just so much that you, you, you could have had this new era of wrestlers where you wouldn't even need those legacy stars well, to come. But I think, the big, I think the real true big problem is the fact that you've already seen, seen all the matches. Yeah. You know... Yeah. I mean, and, that, and that's that's big... that's a that's just a symptom of the way the business is now. Um, you, I don't know, and this one's one I'd I'd like to hear Aaron's opinion on too. I don't know. Could you ever go back? Could you ever, in today's television environment, go back to squash match wrestling? No. I think they, you could. They don't know they can't because nobody knows how to do it. Anybody that knew how to do it is no longer in the wrestling business. Right. And and, and the people writing the wrestling business are not wrestling people. Right. And like I said, I mean, you just, you have, with 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 the way, te- in, in the 70s and the 80s and the early 90s, yeah, I mean, in the 80s and 90s there was cable. But there weren't. 700 cable channels there weren't streaming there with so many options and so much now social media all the distractions people have i don't know if literally if human beings have the attention span for watching if they to watch wrestling the way it was booked back then you know um 
I just I don't think that I don't think that 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 the modern era of entertainment would allow for it, and it's unfortunate because, like you said, Kyle, with with we've seen all the matches. Well, the reason for that is because you don't have you know before you'd have you'd have a month and a half, two months before you'd ever see even a Jim Duggan wrestle somebody that was on his level, you know. He'd 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 spend six weeks wrestling the Brooklyn Brawler and Dwayne Gill and shit and just talking about Nikolai Volkov before you ever even got to watching him wrestle Nikolai Volkov. Now, if it was booked today, Nikolai Volkov would cut a promo on Duggan and they'd be on pay per view two weeks later and they'd be having their blow off match already. They'd be they was a fucking they'd be in that night. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I don't know how or if you fix well, that. Well, it's because WWE has like 12 television shows and three pay-per-views a month. Yeah, yeah. that is true. At least that's I what mean. it feels like. Yep. He's too much, man. He's I want, I want the I want the business to bottom out. I want everything to completely fail. Enjoyed last night. It was nice watching a show where I wasn't being fucking held by the hand of the goddamn announcers and I didn't have to hear stupid jokes and people fucking playing. It was fucking refreshing. I had to hear fucking goddamn Michael Cole fucking try to make jokes. (laughs) Fuck you, Michael Cole. Fuck you, Byron Saxton. Oh, I hate you, Byron Saxton. All right, well, we'll go ahead and take a break. We're done with the modern talk. We'll talk now. Like I said, coming up, we'll have our top 10s, top 10 90s gimmicks. That's the only parameter. And Aaron, you're going first. Yeah. And Kyle, you can go second, and I'll go last. Okay. All right. So we will return with more of the We Can't Wrestle podcast right after this, wrestling fans. of the We Can't Wrestle podcast, ladies and gentlemen, and thank God that we are living now, apparently, ho- thankfully, in a post-StarCast world. As a podcast listener, I can say that. I'm not even going to... No. <clears throat> no. Don't. <laughs> well, welcome back. Top 10s are here. And, uh, Kyle? Uh-huh. You were saying during the break, you wanted to lay something on us when we came back on the air. Yeah, um... I'm sick and tired of hearing people talk about Eminem's new album being, like, amazing. It fucking sucks. It's horrible. <laughs> I heard all the fucking talk from people about, like, oh, it's amazing. It's like, no. No, it's fucking not. It's really fucking stupid. <laughs> and fuck you all if you like it, because it's fucking horrible. Well, you I know, didn't know Eminem had a new album out. You know hip-hop's Apparently, gone... You know, hip hop's gone south when the best rap song of the past ten years is Ric Flair "Drip." Yeah, well, like I said, I've people are like, "Oh, this fucking new album's amazing," and like I listened to like a little bit of it, and I was like, "Yeah, no, I hate <laughs> music now." 
This is great. Well, I don't know why you should be surprised that Eminem didn't have a good album. No, it, you know, it's not even about Eminem, the fact... Eminem has never had a good album. The fact is that people... It's shocked me that people are like, oh, this is great music. It's like, no, <laughs> it's fucking not. He's like the Marilyn Manson of rap music. Yeah, fuck Everybody Marilyn. thought he was good, and he's not, and he never has been. He's a niche that just needs to go away. I don't even think he's a niche. He's just... It's a rap guy fucking... Yeah. Doing black music, and it's like... You're not even good. To me, it always sounds like he's got a shit. But anyway. So yeah, fuck Eminem. Fuck his new album. And fuck anybody that thinks it's amazing, because it's not. (laughs) All right, first unless, guy on my list. unless you're a listener of the We Can't Wrestle podcast, then please. <laughs> no, we only have 485 of them. I bet you the 485 of them don't listen. Same thing if you're a fucking juggalo. Fuck you too. <laughs> you damn! I'm surprised they're not on your <laughs> list. <laughs> Dude, I, oh, they're no ever going to be on any of my lists. All right, speaking of lists. Fuck the ice yeah. Aaron's, yeah. Aaron's going first. These are the top 10 favorite 90s wrestling gimmicks. Shoot. Number 10. Hogan. Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Are you guys surprised? Oh. That the Hollywood Hulk Hogan gimmick's on your list? No. Yeah. The Hollywood Hulk Hogan gimmick made a it's lot. Like, it's like you heard a rumor. <laughs> The Hollywood Hulk, Hulk oh, fuck. Who? The Hollywood Hulk Hogan gimmick. Uh, Hollywood Hulk Hogan <laughs> made a lot of money in the nineties and changed wrestling. What? Well, I think it was a gimmick that fucking every jubilat Jesus rejuvenated <laughs> Hulk Hogan's career. Yes. Yes, because it was. It was done. So I'm not saying he was done, but the 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 glory had definitely worn away. So why did you put Hollywood Hulk Hogan as number ten on your list, Aaron? Just because it was a game changer, and the guy had been boring since like 1991. You know? Yeah. People talk about how oh, by the time like when he went to WCW, he was. No, he was he was pretty stale in the WWE too, and it was like a lot of the same old same old. So I just think I don't think the guy deserves. I, I almost said deserves. I don't think the guy actually gets enough credit for um, changing the business. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people talk about like, oh, there was Stone Cold Steve Austin and this guy and that guy. It's like Hogan was the catalyst for all of it i think because well, when hogan changed and the industry was like hey hogan changed we all gotta change i think it's also it's a credit to him that he was able to be the biggest selling you know the best selling as far as merch and everything else and selling out arenas as a good guy and then turn around and be able to do it as a bad guy as well is fucking a testament to him mm-hmm Alright, so that's why he's on my list. Anything else? On mine too, so 
anymore. Yeah, not anymore. Anything else? No. All right, the next gimmick on my list is the Heartbreak Shawn Michaels. Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels. The is he on anybody else's? He's not on mine. No, no he's not on mine. Um, but the what a lot of people that that know of the legacy, like of the later career of Shawn Michaels, of being you know the man. When I think of the gimmick of the Heartbreak Kid of Shawn of the Heartbreak Kid of Shawn Michaels, the Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels, I think of 1992 to 1995. With um, like, Sherry and Pusher. Well, yeah, just the. the the, when I think of the gimmick, the Heartbreak Kid, I think of the heel, the early heel Shawn Michaels. Like, once you get into, like, 97 and stuff, he's just Shawn Michaels. You know what I mean? But that gimmick got major heat. And, yeah, his pairing with Sherry was, one, to my, my opinion, one of the best pairings ever between a wrestler and a manager. They just worked so well together. And oh, I was actually a fan of him in... Um... Uh, Luna, too. Yeah, I don't think that gets near as not another uh, near as credit. And Aaron will agree with me on this. I don't think a lot of people think about this either. But one of the biggest contributors in the '90s, when that Heartbreak Kid gimmick first came around to its success, was Bobby Heenan. Yeah, like when Bobby Heenan put somebody over big, whether he was in the booth or whatever. It totally, like, Bobby Heenan, you know, with the Shawn Michaels has left the building and whistling along with his music, and, oh, this man, she's in love with him, Monsoon. She, look at her, she's in love with him. Just Bobby Heenan putting it over, really, really put it over the top, too. And it was funny, because at that time he was kind of chubby. <laughs> yeah. So, Shawn Michaels. Ah. It was also, like, one of the best words in wrestling history, too. When you put Marty through the wall, through the wall, through the window and all <laughs> the that. Through the window, through the wall. To the wall, <laughs> to the wall. <laughs> Sweat off HBK's balls. <laughs> um, yeah, because they... Well, you almost didn't see that one coming because they foreshadowed it. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, they pushed it so hard that they were going to break up that you didn't actually think it was going to happen. Because they used to do that shit all the time. They'd be like, is the Legion of Doom on the outs and in the magazines and stuff? And they didn't really put it over that big. But Or they'd use it as a way to get the team to get like some rejuvenation. And then when it finally did happen, to be honest, when it did happen, it almost seemed like Marty would be the one to turn. Yeah. And, yeah, you're right. Thank God he didn't. <laughs> well, I think you guys are remembering it wrong. Throw Marty through the window. Marty jumped through the window to get away from Sean. <laughs> Bobby Heenan. <laughs> oh, see, I knew they were going to, I knew they were fine. I knew they were going to, I knew that was going to happen. From the very beginning, he was putting that shit over. Yes. He was the most entertaining thing in a, in a dreadful time in the WWE. <laughs> if it wouldn't have been for Brett and Owen and Don Michaels, it would have been pretty rough. Rough. <laughs> Just saying. All right, who's number eight? 
Uh, gold dust. <laughs> yep. Good call. I did not have gold dust on my list, but I should. Everything on my list, good call, or it wouldn't be on my list. Gold dust was the experiment. Gold dust was indeed the te- the test balloon. Like how how much can we push the envelope? And in a lot of ways, it was unfair to the guy because by the time they got to the attitude era, it had run its course. But that dude was was that was Vince's test balloon, going to see how far he could go. That 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 gimmish gimmish that gimmish that gimmick pushed the envelope. It set a new standard in wrestling, like like I said, for, for going out there with a character. Um, and yeah, you're right. Like, not only had it kind of reached its apex before the Attitude Era began, but to me, another thing that killed Goldust was when Vince Rousseau got his hands on it. Because, and it's not that I t- completely dislike the the I liked the Luna Gold Dust angles, but once you got past that, like when he would turn him into he's just Dustin Reynolds, and you know, and, and I mean it just loses its luster when you do that crap. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I'm I'm just Dustin Reynolds, and then you know next week he's he's Gold Dust again because the Dustin Reynolds thing didn't work. They never should have taken the makeup off him in the first place, and. Just some of the stuff that that Russo booked him to do was just hot garbage, and that that put the final nail in the coffin for the character. And then, I mean, it had its resurgence in the two thousands, which was awesome for Dustin. I mean, Booker T and Gold Dust is awesome. Um, Tourette's Gold Dust. Yeah, and that that Gold Dust. I think that's just. I don't want to say that. Just I don't want to say it like this. Dustin with is. makeup on. It just yeah, just Dustin with makeup on. Yeah. You know what I mean? That was the gold dust character. I'm just saying. I'm glad he. I'm glad he got his his revival. I'm glad he did you know? too. And uh, and but like I said, that gimmick it was it it was like I said, sad that it came along. It, it's like a double edged sword because in a lot of ways it sucked because it was the the test balloon for the Attitude Era. And by time by the time it got to the Attitude Era. It was dead, mm-hmm. but if they would have not done it at the time that they did it, it would have just been another gimmick in the Attitude Era. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It would have been anything. I mean, one of my favorite moments in a WrestleMania is the crowd reaction to Roddy Piper ripping off Goldust's outfit. <laughs> and Goldust is in, like, the bra and panties and stuff, and people are just like, yeah. oh, oh, yeah, no. Oh, he is wearing panties. <laughs> People, wrestling fans, that was like, wrestling fans never seen no shit like that. Yeah, it's like, whoa. <laughs> no, that crowd's reaction, because they're actually a little bit dead during yeah, the first that. Time had, first time we saw they had to be on gold dust. <laughs> but yeah. All right. Number seven. Uh and not go in the order that I wrote him. Uh, let's go with Farouk. Hmm. Fuck. He was on my list. He wasn't on mine. That, but yeah, that's that, a good pick. That gimmick was great. 
That gimmick was great, and that gimmick was like, like the Farouk gimmick was triggering before triggering was a thing. <laughs> like, I, that's another gimmick that kind of changed things, you know, like pushing the envelope. Yeah. And right the, around, the only the only thing they did with it that I didn't like was that they took that away from him. They what? That they took Sun away from him. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, you you go to you go to do a wrestling show in Alabama. If, you go, if you're you, gonna go for it, go for it. Yeah, and why don't you? Why not have the have a big black guy with a blonde white lady when you go to Alabama? I mean, what way? What better like, way to get some like heat? Somebody tried something. Ron Simmons wouldn't be able to handle himself. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah, that gimmick was was it was a great gimmick, and it was. It was controversial, but you had the right guy playing the role because he could back up everything he said in the ring. When he said, "You ain't giving the black man the championship," and I'm a, you know, essentially he's saying I'm a good wrestler, I'm one of the best in the business, I'm a badass motherfucker, and you're not giving me a title shots because I'm black. Or you know, I mean, it's just his his storyline with Ahmed Johnson. Ahmed Johnson was the shits, but. Farouk made it work. Farouk made chicken shit into chicken salad with that one. And I also like the fact that, and they only like once, but and it was one of the only times I ever seen him do it. Just like that looks like Ron Simmons. That is Ron Simmons. And then he's like, "No, nah, I'm Farouk." Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he changed his name. Yeah, yeah. I changed my name because I got the nation of domination. Yeah, like they let Jerry Lawler mention that that was Ron Simmons. And then let it go from there, you know. And I just think the gimmick was cool. And <clears throat> even even after, like you know, just everything that he turned the career into in the WWF. I mean, yeah, can't argue with that success. Yeah. Like I said, that gimmick was. Uh, I don't know. That was another game changer in the nineties. It was another, you know, and that one, that one's, that one's one unlike Austin or Hogan or, or, or gold dust or somebody like that. That one's one that was a game changer. that doesn't get a lot of attention when they talk about people that, that, that changed the game in the nineties. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree. And, uh, Farouk was number 10 on my list. So off he goes. <laughs> All right. Next name is Kane. Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> Big Daddy Kane. Uh, you know, I mean, you you can you can rival that gimmick right up next to his kayfabe brother as as a gimmick that WWE created, and it had has longevity. You know, I mean, it it started. I think from what I excuse me. From everything I've ever heard, that gimmick was only supposed to last through WrestleMania. But you had a quality human being, a quality talent playing the gimmick, and he was able to make that shit thrive for over 20 years now. And it's still technically going. Yeah. Who knew? Who would know? He's the mayor now. Mayor in Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh-huh. But yeah, Kane, I mean, the big mystery about Kane was a, a very cool layered storyline. One of the best things about that storyline in WWE at the time when it started was that 
it was just in the background for a while. You know, Undertaker had other stuff going on. He was going through other feuds. Different things were happening. And this Kane thing was kind of happening in the background and just building this anticipation. And then, you know, the big reveal at Hell in a Cell 97, and it's off to the races after that. And Thank goodness it wasn't Papa Shango, right? Yeah, and it's evolved over the years. He's kept it. I mean, it, there was points where it was kind of stagnant, you know. Mm-hmm. But he like never, ECW came. <laughs> like he never phoned it in or anything. No, Glenn. You know what J- I mean? Glenn Jacobs, the performer, never has never phoned it in at all. It was. I mean, if there's ever been a misstep with the character, it's been on the creative side. Like the two yeah. that come to mind the most in my mind are the. Uh, May 13th or May 23rd or whatever the fuck, that whole deal where he, we could hear his thoughts. That was lame. And then, like I said, ECW Kane. Yeah, not so much. But so, Anything else on Kane? Kyle, you got anything else on Kane? No, I think he's one of the guys that I wish that they would have never took the mask off. I think taking... I used to think that. Had to. When they first did it, I thought that. But then as I, as time got went on, I thought, you know, by taking the mask off and letting him, letting him use his face and change his personality because he didn't have the mask, it probably added to the longevity of his character because he could add more dimension to the character. Yeah, I mean, imagine if they would have never taken the mask off of Uventude. <laughs> He would have never made it to Kyle's list. <clears throat> I'm still fucking whatever. How many episodes are we coming up to? Fifth? Yeah, 50 well, episodes. I thought you put him on. I figured he was going to be on your list of gimmicks. <laughs> and, uh, you know. Because I tried to pick at least one gimmick that never worked for the WWE. So I thought you did the same thing by picking Uventude. <laughs> that's fine. I'm still zero and almost 50 for not falling asleep. So that's fine. <laughs> Well, it's because I keep people entertained. Oh, is that what it is? <laughs> okay. Anyway, next on my list is Mankind. Master. Oh, I know. Nate, do you hate me too? Is Mankind on your list? No, Mankind's not on, your, on my list. Okay. Kyle, why was Mankind on your list? Because, and you know what, honestly, before they changed everything and made it, like, I was a big fan of when Mankind first debuted and, like, his story and everything. They used this mutilated portrait when everything was about Mankind and Mankind will suffer. Then, yeah, I know it was that they kind of did the backstory of Mick Foley, but. I don't know. There's a piece of me that enjoyed the original original Mankind. Yeah, and and that Mankind was fun, and it was it was a little edgy at the time too. And it was like the first guy to really kind of debut against the Undertaker. That didn't happen very much. Didn't happen at all that I know of, other than Gonzalez. Would that be about it? He's another one where it's a good thing he didn't he didn't come in as the original name they had for him. Oh, it's Mankind the Mutilator. 
Yeah. And it's another guy that people talk about, oh, he should have been in the WWF or WWF a long time ago. Sometimes shit like that happens for a reason, you know? Yeah. He wouldn't have fit in in the WWF in the 80s and early 90s. Cactus Jack wouldn't have worked. No, he no. He just wouldn't have. No, if Cactus Jack would have come into WWF in like 92 or something, he'd have been he'd have been gone pretty quick. It just wouldn't have worked. Yeah. And even like what, I think Mick started in what, like 80... 85 or 86? Yeah, so if he would have got even there even then, like even before then, it would have not been like Cactus Jack Manson, but no worked in the WWF. Mm-hmm. He would have wound up having like a six month little run in there and then fucking Billy be- Jack Haynes would have beat him or something and then he would have been gone. Well, I was going to say, never been back. at the most, he probably, he may have been one of those guys that got to do a house show loop with Hogan as an ugly heel or whatever and then out the door. <laughs> yeah. And he would have never heard from him again. So a lot of this, like I said, a lot of these gimmicks is right place, right time, and also the guy performing them, and nobody else could have done Mankind other than Cactus Jack or Foley, so. Nope. And there's, I mean, you could add Dude Love to this list, too, you know? Like, Three Faces of Foley, there were, Dude Love was a fun gimmick. He was, it's not on my list, but, like, he'll do Love is one of the best, one of the best characters ever, in my opinion. <laughs> I love him, dude. Love, he was great. So, anything else on mankind? Not here. This guy on my list is Raven. Good pick. Good pick. Not on my list, but good pick. I'm talking ECW Raven, obviously. Mm -hmm. Because after he got out of there, nobody really knew. What to do with him? He's kind of like he's kind of like Paul Heyman's Bret Hart. Bret Hart. Yeah, <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. Nobody else knew what the hell to do with this guy other than other than Paul, which was just shut the fuck up and let him do his thing. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yep. I mean, I think Eric, I think Eric Bischoff's completely off base when he talks about guy on TV, and I just think that the Raven character itself. If you understand it, you pay attention to it. It's amazing. It is a very good gimmick. Um, and it it wasn't just a good gimmick with Terry with uh, Tommy Dreamer. You know, yeah. the other acts he had people were really good. I love his feud with Terry Funk. I love his feud with Sandman. You know, all that it worked. And honestly. I don't think ECW would have been what it was without the Raven character. So no. much of everything that happened in ECW came out of what Raven was doing. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say that. That was he was the impetus for a lot of things that happened in ECW, and he was one of the few. He was a participant in one of the few angles I ever liked in TNA. The when, shoot with Larry when, Zabisco. When Larry Zabisco was the commissioner, yes, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Larry Zabisco and Raven is probably like there's probably only like five people in the entire world that remember it, and Raven and Zabisco are two of them. But I thought it was gold. Like there would have never like I should say never, but like 
the Dudley Boys, they exist because of Raven. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just all these, like, everything that was going on in, e, like, in ECW was because of something to do with Raven. And <clears throat> it was was when he was the the highlight of it. You know what I mean? Like, the main event guy of it. That's when ECW, I think, was at its best. Yes. I know everybody talks about, like, 97 or whatever, and that's fine, but I think ECW lost some of its luster after he left and went to WCW. In my opinion. Lost its backbone. Yeah. Kinda, yeah. Because Shane Douglas was never that guy to me. No, he wasn't. And it's like, if you don't have a... Oh, we don't have a reason for this guy to be here. What can we do with him? Oh, he's an associate of Raven. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then yeah. Raven made it work. Mm-hmm. He got a fat guy and a moderately talented guy over enough where they wound up in the WWE and WWF. You know what I mean? Yep. I'm not knocking Stevie Richards, you know, but... If Stevie Richards wouldn't have been attached to Raven, he would have never been. No, he'd have never. He, as he, he was. He'd have never got noticed by a major wrestling company. And Blue Meanie, he would have never been nothing. So, <laughs> I just think the Raven character is awesome. Anything else on that? Not for me. Kyle? Is Kyle dead? No, I'm here. Well, you didn't answer if you had anything else on Raven. Nope. Okay. Yeah, three more left. Uh, So let's go with Mr. McMahon. Mr. McMahon. Like, (laughs) how do you argue with that? (laughs) You know... Uh, Mr. McMahon, the, you talk about... Greatest character in the history of professional wrestling. You talk about, um, an entire organization revolving around someone like we did Raven. Literally, the entire organization revolved around the Mr. McMahon character. One of my favorite things about it, and we could talk more about the character itself, but one of my favorite things about when Vince was a he, it was like the, the dastardly heel Mr. McMahon, like, trying to control his whole show and everything. I always liked it when once in a while he'd have interaction with guys that he wasn't actually involved with. Like, you know, Mr. McMahon has some interaction with D'Lo Brown or something. I always thought that was fun. You know, you never, you you only ever saw him really, like, with with Austin and Rock and Taker and Mick and Kane. But it was always fun to me to see him interact with some of the lower-level guys, too. Like, they just show those random shows where you see him in the back making matches or whatever. Yeah. But, yeah, that character. So entertaining. Right. No, and he was, as Aaron said, he's probably the best character, best gimmick. Wasn't on my list, but. Well, I, he's just. Vince McMahon, Mr. McMahon is the man. And even to this day, like, well, not this day, but 
couple of years back when he looked at it, when he looked at Shane it was like you're gonna catch a fucking beating <laughs> like right there in front of the ring you know what I mean like if anybody else would be like you're gonna catch a fucking beating they would have been fired <laughs> you know but anyway I'm just saying like the guy <clears throat> he's a great gimmick he's, he's the best gimmick of all time I think he's the greatest heel of all time who doesn't hate their megalomaniacal boss? And he's just great in everything that he does. I don't think anybody, I don't think there's a guy that understands his character more than Vince McMahon does, <laughs> because it's not much of a character. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, Mr. McMahon chasing the chicken. I just watched him get. I just watch, I'm currently in the middle of watching it. I just watched him get doused with beer. <laughs> Mr. McMahon and Mick Foley with the Slurpee Cup, and just he went out on TV and told everybody they were jealous of him because they had pot bellies and all genitalia. <laughs> How amazing is that? And then fast forward to the. The funny thing is, one of my favorite matches ever in a WrestleMania is when Vince McMahon wrestles Shawn Michaels and does not get one offensive move in the entire match. Yeah. <laughs> and then one Shawn, of the Michaels, mo- Shawn Michaels just beats the shit out of him for 20 minutes. It's and one great. of the greatest moments in wrestling history is when, or I would one of the greatest shots in wrestling history is Bloody Vince pops his head up from the apron when he's on the floor and he's going to hit Hulk Hogan with that pop. WrestleMania you know 19, yes. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's great shit. One of my favorites is when Vince fights Taker at Survivor Series and the Buried Alive. The first fucking punch that Taker throws, immediately Vince is just fucked covered in blood. <laughs> Uh, great because he talks shit all the time. It's like Regal said; he always got and his then, he always got his comeuppance. And then he'd come out the next week and be like, "Ah, I'm still you know, Vince McMahon." I'm damn still it. Vince McMahon. Damn it, <laughs> he's great. So I I love me some Vince McMahon. He's great. So with that being said, you can't talk about Vince McMahon without talking about. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Stone Cold was number one on my list. You know, honestly, he w- he was going to be on my list, but I took him off because of the fact that I felt like it was, you know, already said. That, and then I knew everybody else was going to bring him and bring right. him to the table, so it's like I wanted to... But yeah, I don't blame you one bit. Stone Cold Steve Austin is the Stone Cold gimmick. Is 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 the greatest gimmick ever, but secondly, like the best Stone Cold is early Stone Cold. Yes, early ninety six, ninety seven Stone Cold is the best Stone Cold. When he first started, like the whole you talking about, like when he when he was just an asshole. Yeah, yeah. When he took off of oh, uh, what was the. Richard Kuklinski, Iceman, we mm-hmm. based it off of that. Mm-hmm. He was just like, like you might think that's cold. It's, it's stone cold. 
Or well, that was like the develop. That was like the beginning of it. I think like just the boss when he was just like shoving Brian Pillman's head in the toilet and beating up Cameron and telling Vince to shut up. Yeah, like he was just an asshole. That's when he was the best. Oh, well, one. I mean, you know, you'd think about that character. One of the greatest segments, in my opinion. I mean, in my opinion. One of the greatest segments in the history of Monday Night Raw couldn't have happened without that character. And that's the fucking uh, Bret Hart ambulance segment. Yeah, that whole show is like, awesome. That, 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 yeah, that, you're right. That whole episode is one of the best episodes of Raw ever. And talk about being a catalyst, you know, like a Raven character. Talk about being a catalyst for so many things to happen, you know. Stone Cold Steve Austin's character is responsible pretty much for Bret Hart's heel turn. Stone Cold Steve Austin's character was responsible for Vince McMahon's heel turn into Mr. McMahon. Stone Cold Steve Austin's character is the reason we ever saw Dude Love. Stone Cold Steve Austin's character is responsible for the rise of The Rock because without without Austin to dance with, would The Rock have been a bit as big a star as he was? You know? I mean, just so many things that... that... A lot can be said that um, he's partially responsible for Shawn Michaels turning heel. Yeah. Because he started, I mean, he started becoming more popular than Shawn Michaels and when they ended up feuding, Sean was the bat. Like, we're going to cheer Sean no matter what. Unless he was fighting Shawn Michael, or unless he was fighting Stone Cold Steve Austin. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, that was a good list. I have one more. Oh, oh. Well, I thought Austin was the tops. Oh, I don't put him in, like, I picked this guy first, this guy. I have one more guy. All right. And it's Razor Ramon. Damn it. Son of a bitch. Razor Ramon's one of you the... You go by to that guy. Razor Ramon, <laughs> Razor Ramon was number five on my list and one of the great... Not only one of the greatest gimmicks of the 90s, but one of the best gimmicks ever. I like Razor Ramon because Razor Ramon worked as a face and a heel. Like, he worked as an asshole face... Or an asshole heel, and he worked as an asshole face. <laughs> you know? I, I don't know, but that's what I'm going to start it, calling people it, that I don't like. Asshole face. <laughs> You're an asshole face. <laughs> he, he was like, his character, it's going to sound funny, but his character is like The Rock. Because whether he was a baby face or a heel, he never changed. I just smile a little bit more, but other than that... Yeah. Hey, yo. <laughs> All right. Take a look at the bad guy. And he he is, um, he is to me, as identified with, like, you know, you think of a championship, and you think of certain guys. And, like, when I think of the Intercontinental Championship, I think about Mr. Perfect, Razor Ramon... And Bret Hart. Yeah. Those are the three guys I think... And Shawn Michaels. So those are the four guys I think about when I think about the Intercontinental Championship. But I just think the guy... He... Cre- I mean, the guy created the gimmick himself. 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The, like WWF or WWE, or you want to call them, they can say what they want to say, that when he left, he took the Razor gimmick with him, and it wasn't, like, you know, he's, he, he's infringing upon our likeness rights, or whatever. It's like, well, he was doing that before he got there. You know, right. You guys just helped him put legs to it. Yes. And, like, the toothpick thing, he was already doing that, the slicked hair. The only thing they did was was give it a backstory and a purpose and, and put a name to the gimmick, you know. And I love that shit when he first comes in, like when he's driving around in his car, when he's eating at that restaurant. And <clears throat> his character was an asshole when he first came in. Too. Like, he said asshole, like, when he beat up Owen Hart. He's like, your daddy teach you that one? Your daddy teach like, you that one? Yeah, daddy teach you that one, Rocket. He fucks up that old man's fruit market in that one. Yeah. When yeah. he's first coming in, like, he don't like the orange or whatever, so he just fucks up the dude's yeah. whole fruit market. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I would, I, my biggest, like, I shouldn't say regret because I wasn't the guy, but I would have loved to seen, and it didn't even need to be a long one, but maybe like a four-month reign of, of Razor Ramon heel Razor Ramon as like the WWE champion. Like I would have like when him and Brett fought at that Royal Rumble. Yeah. Like, it would have been cool if he could have beat him at it, you know? Mm-hmm. And just had the belt for like I don't know what would have been the next pay per view. King well, Ring? No. Well it had a bit of paper but you know what I'm saying. At some point it would have been cool to see Scott Hall Razor Ramon as the WWF champion, but mm-hmm. Obviously, I like never. it. I like it when he when he starts his feud with when he turns turns face and starts his feud with Money Incorporated. He's like, "Money man, <laughs> tax man." <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just like the guy, and I think the guy himself might be the most talented guy to never be a world champion. He's up there. And I just. Yeah, so Razor was on my list, and apparently he was on everybody else's, too. So that's the end of mine. All right, well, when we return from our break, that's Aaron's top ten gimmicks of the 90s. Kyle will do his list next, and we'll see how many you knock off my list, because Aaron knocked off Stone Cold, Razor, Kane, and Farouk. So four of mine are knocked off, and we will take a quick break. We'll come right back. We can't rest the podcast and Kyle's top 10 is next. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the We Can't Wrestle podcast on Podbean, Stitcher, etc., etc. 
And don't forget to check us out on Facebook at the We Can't Wrestle Podcast Facebook page as well. Um, I'm going to start posting some polls on there and questions for our fans, maybe even suggestions for what you think we should talk about on the show. And if you ever have any questions for us, if you want to ask a question to the staff or what have you, you can email us at wecantwrestle at gmail.com. This week's show is a top 10 show. We're doing top 10 gimmicks of the 1990s. And uh, Kyle, you're next. You're on next. Yay, I'm on first. All right. So first off, we're going to start with, oh, fuck it. Let's start with IRS. IRS. IRS has, uh, it's going to sound silly, but IRS has one of the greatest entrances in wrestling history. Because IRS just comes out of the curtain and talks shit. Yeah. (laughs) But, oh look! He, it, one of his greatest lines ever is at <laughs> Royal Rumble 1994. He goes, "Oh look, every tax cheat in Rhode Island showed up for the Royal Rumble tonight." <laughs> well, and what was great about him was where, like with DiBiase, it was people were happy to see Ted because it's like, "Oh, he's gonna give me money." He's a rich dude, like. <laughs> fucking IRS is like, no, I'm the tax man and I'm coming after I'm taking your money. Yeah. I I was never a huge fan of Mike Rotunda, like, in the ring. Not that the guy wasn't. He was a sound professional wrestler, but his style just kind of bored me a little bit. But as a gimmick, yes, a very good heat-seeking gimmick. IRS. Love it. Aaron, anything else on Irwin? No, just another guy that I like because he was a dick. <laughs> uh, all right. So then we'll move on to Yokozuna. Damn it. Yoko was on my list. Yoko was the... Look, when I first started watching wrestling, like Yoko was like the guy for me because I started watching in the early 90s, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. With my grandma and like Yoko was like the guy to me that like it's like geez like look at this guy like he's fucking massive. Well, and he was he was the you know I mean you look at his run as a top heel and Yokozuna. I'm trying to think. Okay, he started his run in ninety two, late ninety two. I think he made his debut like. Right before the Survivor Series in 92. He lost to Bret Hart. He lost to Hulk Hogan. He lost to... Well, him and Bull... Lex Luger by count out. By count out. He lost, him, and Luke, him and Bulldog lost to Sean and D. Essentially, Yokozuna, that character... In his entire probably four-year run in the company, only ever actually got pinned maybe, what, two or three times? I mean, that is how you book a monster fucking heel. Like, this is the guy that can only be pinned by Hulk Hogan, Bret Hart, Diesel, and The Undertaker. You know? He beats everybody else on the roster. Well, not even just that, but it's like, you know... <clears throat> I never saw Andre in his heyday, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. I never got to see... So to me, it's like, when you see him, you're like, 
Who the fuck's going to pick that guy up? Like, yeah. who's going to throw him over the fucking ropes for the Royal Rumble? Who's going to, you know? Yeah, you're talking about how do you, larger than life. Yeah, how do you beat that guy? Like, realistically, like, how do you beat him? You know, Vince McMahon took one look at him and was like, well, this son of a bitch. <laughs> but, yeah, definitely. And for his size, I don't know. I mean, for his size, he was better than Andre. You know, I mean, as far as being able to, I mean, I guess, because I mean, I, I really honestly haven't, I'm not, I haven't been exposed to a lot of like 1970s Andre the Giant. I've heard in the 70s, Andre could really go too, but before his In the 1970s, Andre exposed himself to a lot of geisha girls though. (laughs) Oh. But yeah, definitely Yokozuna, like I said, he was on my list. I think he was number nine on my list. No, number eight. I understand the dude was a real OG, too, in real life. Yeah. <laughs> like slinging dope and all kinds of other shit. Riding bikes with The Undertaker. Them Samoans, man. People talk about them, but they're into some shady shit. <laughs> Just saying. Well, from one... From one fucking... Samoan to another. Let's go to Rikishi. Are you talking about make a difference, Rikishi? <laughs> no, no. I'm talking about fucking dancing Rikishi when he was with Too Cool yeah, oh, and all that. There was a time where Rikishi was probably next to Austin, the most over-wrestler on the fucking roster. Like... It's fucking crazy to go back and watch him. It's like, Jesus Christ, Rikishi. Like... Wrestling fans are like, yes, we want to watch this fat bastard dance. In his, giant, in his giant diaper. <laughs> With his two little hillbilly friends. <laughs> but just think about it, like, fucking Stink Face was just about as over as the Stunner was. Yeah, it was like Stunner, Rock Bottom, Stink Face. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, he was a gimmick, and that's what it was. He was a dancing Samoan, and but... His gimmick is one of those, like... Uh... His gimmick is one of those that would never have happened had the Attitude Era not happened. You know? Just think of it like he would... They put the fucking glasses on him and he just like... Fucking almost be transported to a different place. Turn it into a dance machine. Right. Uh, And then... And then... He did it for The Rock. Did it for the rock. He did it for the people. For the people. My favorite part of the two cool Rikishi music was when he when that he would be like, "Well, that was interesting," <laughs> <laughs> and then he'd be like, "We keep moving around." Well, yeah, and then he'd be like, "Well, that was interesting." <laughs> All right, my last and not least no, is going to was... be. Yeah, I'm I'm done. No, Aaron destroyed you then. This is what I Nate, this uh, this is what Nate was talking about. If you guys don't know, <laughs> make a difference, Rikishi. Yeah, make it's a, a song that I have no idea what they say. <laughs> I know they say something about cleaning something up. 
But what they're cleaning up, I don't know. That hor- horrible gimmick. It's horrible, yes. But, but the, anyways, the, the dancing last... Rikishi was a great gimmick. Yes, it was. The last one on my list is Crow Sting. It's hard to argue with Crow Sting. I mean, you... Especially because possibly... he never talks. <laughs> well, yeah, you, you can't argue talk. with him. That was a joke. <laughs> Sorry. But just think how fucking cool that was to see uh, fucking... can't all be funny. Sting fucking turn dark and fucking come down from the rafters and he basically took on the NWO. It was, um, it was that until, okay, from 19, late 1996 until Starcade 97, Crow Sting was one of the best, most layered stories WCW ever told. And... God bless Steve Borden because he got to do jack shit for a living for like a year and a half. Right. And think about it because honestly, would Sting, if he had stayed the bleach blonde fucking, do you think he would have had the long no, that he had? No, he, what would have happened is he would have just got caught up in the, he was just, he would have just got caught up in the WCW getting buried by the NWO all the time. He just would have been another guy getting buried by the NWO. And I think ultimately, you would have wound up not with Sting being the guy that saved WCW, but would have, it would have been somebody like Luger or Piper or somebody like that that quote-unquote saved WCW, even though they, they, they didn't let that story play out the way it needed to. Like, Starcade 97 killed his character, and then when he joined the Wolf Pack, that completely yeah. killed his character. But yeah, you're right, that 96-97 that Crow Sting was... Uh, it was probably the best the best gimmick WCW ever made. Better than Goldberg. I think it was, honestly. I mean, it's... A lot of stuff's better than Goldberg. <laughs> but other than that, that's my list. All right. Well, we'll just roll into mine, then. I have one, two, three, four, five left. The first one Aaron's going to disagree with, but to me... I love Henry Godwin. What are you talking about? To me, mid-90s, heel in the WWF, Double J, Jeff Jarrett. He got good... I I hate the man, but yeah. He got good heat. He... He played a really good heel, like a shit heel. Um, he, you know, say what you want about him, but at that time he always had a good match with whoever he was wrestling with. And do you know, do you know why I'm not going to agree disagree with it? Why is that? Because the most entertained I've ever been by Jeff Jarrett was when he was Double J Jeff Jarrett. Yeah, I mean, I just Alpha gimmick. I dug on that gimmick. I dug on the fact that you know this guy he doesn't even want to be a wrestler. He just wants to use the WWF to get popular in country music. Then he's going to leave. But while he's here, he's going to be a pain in everybody's ass. That's the most entertaining the guy's ever been in his career. And it was the, it was, it was at the time when he was actually still putting on good matches. Like Jeff Jarrett, 
Jeff Jarrett fell into that 1999 walking brawl to 2000 to 2001 style of wrestling and never came out of it. Mm-hmm. He's still trying to prove that that's the way it should be. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I just like I said, I think that that char- I always liked that character. It was a great shit heel character for that period of time. And I mean, if you're talking about a gimmick, you know. Like that was, I thought it was a great gimmick, and they picked the right guy. They picked the right guy to do it. They did. I wish they kept with what they were doing with it originally, though. Too, I think it would have been even better if he had Ronnie P. Gossett and Miss Jackie with him. Yeah, had like an entourage. <laughs> yeah, fat black or fat <laughs> hillbilly gay dude and like a muscle-bound black chick. <laughs> that would have been some good stuff. Anything else on Double J, Kyle? No, I play him, but I understand why he is. He was a good gimmick. I think it's because he was such a good gimmick that I hate him. Yeah, yeah. Well, I had Farouk also, and Yokozuna, and Kane, and then the next one on my list is one that I think it gets looked over because the gimmick didn't get to live itself through. I think to completion um, because of backstage politics or a Is fight. Is it the hand? No, or a fight at the hand. Um, that came out in 2000 anyway. But just... El Hijo de Young. Um, no, I'm talking about nails. Uh, I want to help you. You don't need to help me. <laughs> I, I think the gimmick was a really cool monster. I, I like monster heel gimmicks, though. Like, uh, he may not have been a great wrestler, but, you know, everybody knows I'm a mark for the warlord. I like a good monster heel. And I thought that that would, no matter what, how good the guy was in the ring, I thought the gimmick of Nails was cool. Uh, and I'm talking about 1992 Nate watching wrestling. I thought I thought Nails was a cool heel. And I thought that the gimmick had potential. And then the guy like said Vince McMahon tried to put his finger in his butt or whatever and beat him up and <laughs> it was all all she, all she wrote. I mean, he was about to feud with Undertaker when he got fired. Yeah, there's he discovered like there Vince will usually have anybody back. But there's two things you don't do. You don't choke slam him, <laughs> and you don't accuse him of sexual harassment. <laughs> but My yeah. favorite part of that was when he fucking tried to say that Vince told him to use steroids. And in the fucking court, they're like, yeah, so here's your wrestling attire, and <laughs> you have a big fucking jump, orange jumpsuit on. But no, I and I know, I know. I heard the when I said the name nails, I heard the deafening silence <laughs> from my co-hosts, and that's fine. Wrestling, much like Howard Finkel did. <laughs> wrestling, wrestling. He announced him. <laughs> wrestling of, is subjective. I just, like I said, I thought back to '90s Nate watching wrestling, and I was a mark for nails. The nails, big boss man feud, and yes. the nails gimmick. I mean, if I'm talking about a gimmick. I like that gimmick. How many more you got in your chamber? I have three. Chamber. Three more. 
So is it Adam Bomb, Mantar, and Abe Knuckleball Shorts? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, those are on the honorable mentions list. Just kidding. Um, you know, if Abe Knuckleball Shorts would have came back in like the Attitude Era when Vince Rousseau was running it, he would have had like a completely different gimmick. <laughs> He put it was his euthanism he, for fucking he, masturbating. He put yeah. it, oh, he's playing knuckleball. Yeah. <laughs> and it still would have been only, Steve Lombardi. Yeah, he's the only guy that can defend himself against naked Midian. <laughs> like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you want to watch some funny stuff? I don't. I don't know. It's completely oh. off the topic. Watch William Regal fight Nate Midian. Yeah, it's funny as fuck. <laughs> like his facial expressions, but like he, he goes for like a like a <laughs> like a go behind on him and stuff. Oh my god, it's so funny. Next on my list was Razor Ramon, and then we're talking night late nineteen ninety two until SummerSlam nineteen ninety three. I Matador. Got, I gotta give a big props to Evil Doink the Clown. Mm. Good, that's a good pair. Just Evil Doink? Evil Doink. Not Good Doink. Once Good Doink came around... <laughs> like, Aaron and I have talked about this before, Kyle. I don't know if we've ever said this to you or not, but... We used to joke around with our buddies back in... Back in the day, you know, when, when they'd have crazy gimmicks in wrestling or whatever, we'd always joke around about, oh, one day they're going to have a clown. They'll just have a circus clown come out and wrestle. And then they did it. <laughs> You're like, my God, they, they did but, it. But the cool thing that they did with that first, like, you know, 10 months of Doink, that was a cool-ass character. The, oh, yeah. Essentially the bipolar clown. And for all intense you know they make everyone talks shit about wrestlemania 9 but him and crush when fucking the other doink comes out mm-hmm. the mind games the fucking, yeah they do the mirror thing it was fun yeah well and i mean just the gimmick and just like the promos and, and how how he'd have that you know that how cool would that gimmick have been had it come around in the attitude era you know how much more dark could it have been? Because they were they were kind of going pretty dark with that character at one point, and like like there was a time if you remember where it was like they didn't even care if he had a little bit of stubble under his makeup. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it just I don't know, and just the 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 changing of the expression and the facial, and then once again here he comes again, Bobby Heenan. Bobby Heenan helped get that gimmick over really good. Who is this guy? I know this guy. And just, I don't know, just the subtle little things. And Matt Bourne, you know, whether he was fucking a, a drug addict and an asshole or whatever, I got to say Matt Bourne did that character justice. And I even liked it when he did Bourne again in ECW. Right. Well, and that's the thing. Everyone's like, "Oh, he was a drug addict, and he was an asshole." Well, fucking, you were, you were among men in that day. I mean, everyone <laughs> was a fucking drug addict and an asshole. <laughs> I mean, my God, you know, it's like they talk like, it was like really, oh, Shawn Michaels wasn't a drug addict and an asshole, right? 
Right. Like, but yeah, like I said, I mean, I don't know if you guys have anything else on that character. Jack but... Tunney? He wasn't a drug addict <laughs> and an asshole? <laughs> I don't know if you guys have anything else on Evil Doink, but <clears throat> Evil Doink no. is a standout to me in the 90s. I like the fact that with Doink, they let him kind of be mean to the crowd and the kids. Yep. And I, and, that... and I know uh, you were joking when you said that you had honorable mentions, but I actually do. When Disco Inferno? No, I'll go where we're done. There's two, there's two that I'm going to put on my list and I changed my mind, and then two that I just... That they were personal favorite for me, but go ahead, Nate, sorry. In the mid-90s, Aaron lived through this as my brother with me, and he saw how butthurt I was when this character did not continue on. And it was more because of the guy's health and that he was broke down and everything that the character didn't get to live on, but I think if it would have, it had great potential. Another great 90s gimmick is Waylon Mercy. Fucking Bray Wyatt before Bray Wyatt. I was a huge fan of Waylon Mercy. I loved that gimmick. Know what I mean? Mm, know what I mean? And he'd shake the referee's hand and then gouge the, his opponent in the eyeball and then try to shake his hand and... Yeah, there were so many layers to that character, and I really do think they had bigger plans for him. And then Dan Spivey was like, yeah, I'm kind of broke down. I can't My do back's this anymore. All My up. back's all fucked up. So then he... Not knowing what I mean. <laughs> and then he lost to Savio Vega on an In Your House, and he was gone. Well, not before he got to put Diesel out over on his way out. But, yeah, I thought the Wayland Mercy character was really fucking cool, and uh, it was disappointing that it didn't go get to go further. That one. You recouped yourself from nails. <laughs> Last but certainly not least, the uh, right behind Stone Cold is my number two gimmick of the 90s. Joe Floyd. Ooh, man. Should have put that on the honorable mentions too, along with the pug. <laughs> and then I'll hit you with a little bit of trivia too, or a little bit of. Yeah, fuck it. I'll get to that in a minute. Number two on the list, best gimmicks of the 90s. How could we forget The Undertaker? He was on my It was the same thing with Austin. It's like someone else is going to bring him up. Yeah. And so... Yeah. And that's why, I, that's why on a lot of my list I tried to go a little bit outside the box and think of guys that wouldn't necessarily come to your mind initially. But uh, you can't, you can't, none of us could have a list without The Undertaker. The greatest gimmick of all time has to be one of the greatest gimmicks of the 90s. The longest gimmick, I think. You're going on, what, 28 years or whatever as The Undertaker? Mm. Evolving the character. And the character, once again, like Kane, it was a character that wasn't supposed to last more than a year. He was supposed to be built up to fight Hulk Hogan, lose to Hulk Hogan, and be gone. That was the original intention for The Undertaker. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, really, do we really need to discuss that one? No. It's the fucking Undertaker. <laughs> it's like the Jennifer Aniston of wrestling. Right? <laughs> She's going like, be on the list. Honestly. It's like there's few there's few wrestlers that it's like it 
it's them. It's that's like it's the Undertaker. It's fucking Ric Flair. Like just you know, it's fucking Stone Cold. Like you don't need to fucking say anything about it. It's un doesn't need to be spoken of. All right, so that's it. Best '90s wrestling gimmicks on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Good list, you gentlemen. Want, you don't want to hear my bonus ones? Oh, of course I do. Okay. Do you want the two that were legitimately going to be on the list, or the two that I was going to put as just as guilty pleasures first? Either or all. I'm going to give you all, but okay, I'll go with the legitimate ones first. The first one is going to be Tatanka. Yeah, yeah. I was a Tatanka mark back in the 90s. I'm still a Tatanka mark. I love that dude. Uh, and then the other one was the Mountie. <laughs> I, love the, I love the Mountie. That dude, that character is one of the most abrasive and just loud pricks that's ever been, and the guy's great. I, I think Jacques Rougeau, I always, like, everything I hear about him, he's, he's his own worst enemy, mm-hmm. but I think he deserves a lot more credit in the wrestling business than he gets, but he's got a big mouth, and he's, he, he like, <laughs> he's like the complete opposite of his brother, you know? Yeah. Like his brother shits, works shits his WWE, shits WWE today. Shits his own bed too much. Yeah. And then uh, two that were ridiculous, and I didn't put them on there, but I just enjoyed them, were the Body Donnas. Mm-hmm. I thought the Body Donnas were great because they just come out there and fat tame people, <laughs> and they had funky music, and... They were both like Chris Candido was ridiculous and Sonny was hot and it, it, it just worked. And then another gimmick that I don't think got enough credit and I think could have been a bigger deal if they would have did something more with it was Big Bully Busick. Yeah, I liked Big Bully Busick. I like Big Bully Busick. He came pa- out there and like pop people's balloons, like pa- little kids' balloons and like, yeah. Pa- paired up with, uh, with Harvey, Harvey Whippleman. Whippleman. Harvey Whippleman. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think Bully Music didn't get enough. He didn't get enough time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And now he did. Yeah, he did now. So, in uh, the thing I said I was gonna, I, there, there's some of the stuff that that we already know. Like I was reading this article about, you know, gimmicks that were supposed to be given to wrestlers. Like we all know, you know, that the talk that Terry Taylor was supposed to be Mister Perfect. So Kurt Henning could have wound up the Red Rooster or whatever. And, and Jim Helwig was supposed to be Big Vader. Van Vader. Yes. A couple that I didn't know about that I thought were fun that I was reading about in this article. And we talked about gimmicks from the 90s. 1995, WWE brought in Bill Irwin, and he wrestled as the Goon. Everybody remembers the Goon, right? Uh-huh. Yes. Do you know who they originally were trying to get to play the goon? Chris were, Jericho? Yes. Did you know that, Kyle? No, really. They, they wanted Chris Jericho to be the goon because they were going to play off of his dad's hockey background or whatever. So, you know, that could have made Chris Jericho's career go much differently. <laughs> 
Well, Jim Cornette has gone on record of saying that they wanted him because in '95, like '94, '95, '96, they were giving enhancement guys gimmicks. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he um, told D'Lo Brown to stay as far away from yeah, that shit yeah, as he could. Like, they, like he was, they were like, "We want to talk to D'Lo Brown," and Jim Cornette got a hold of D'Lo Brown first and was like, "Don't answer the phone. Have you don't do this." And sp- and then last but not least in this article that I read, I did not know about this. I didn't know about this one. But did you know in 1986 when Harley Race first came to the WWF, what Vince McMahon pitched to him as his first idea for his character? What's that? <clears throat> he wanted... Okay, so WWF had Terry Funk and Dory Funk, okay? Mm-hmm. And you remember Jimmy Jack Funk? Yeah. Vince McMahon originally wanted Harley to be with Dory and Terry, and he wanted him to dress in the mask and the chaps and call him Hangman Harley Race. Hmm. Harley Race apparently didn't like that. (laughs) Yeah, apparently not. (laughs) What do you blame? I mean, but yeah, he wanted to take Harley Race and dress him up as a cowboy and put him with the Funks and call him Hangman Harley Race, with the mask and the assless chaps and a bullwhip. Which honestly, Harley Race has probably dressed like that before. And Harley Harley Race probably would (laughs) have. Harley Race, Harley Race probably would have rocked that gimmick too, because <laughs> that man could do anything. But yeah, I thought I'm that sure was. That, I'm sure that guy's been in some assless chaps before in his life. <laughs> there anything wrong with that? I mean, I'm not saying there isn't. Ric Flair was probably there. Kabuki. Take the damn money. Take somebody. Take the damn money. Kabuki, All right. Take the damn money. And buy the cocaine. I don't know if Harley Race ever did cocaine. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm gonna put. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. I'm sorry, but Harley Race did cocaine. Greatest line in the history of anything to ever do with Harley Race, Bobby Heaton. He was like, when they said. uh when I said they, when I heard they were said we were going to be here with Harley Race and we're going to be inducted, I thought they, I thought they said indicted. <laughs> and then he's like, "How many times are you champion, Harley?" And Harley's just staring off into space, and he's like, "Hey, hey, you got to respond to me before they start throwing dirt on you." <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Another one that I thought it wasn't in that article I read, but another one I just thought of was. Um, they originally weren't going to turn Lex Luger face. They were going to make Crush be the guy that body slammed Yokozuna on the uh, Intrepid. How do you think that would have went? Uh, couldn't have been any worse. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. <laughs> Brian Clark was ten times better than fucking Lex Luger. Brian, Brian Clark, could, or Brian Adams, sorry, could at least work. <laughs> yeah. So anyway... All right, we're next week, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know what we're doing yet, but next week's going to be our fiftieth episode, so we'll do something special for the fiftieth episode. 
And we're uh, gonna murder a hobo. <laughs> Mark for edit. <laughs> Just, we're coming for you, Jake Roberts. <laughs> don't drink the well, piss, Jake. I can Jake. see that you never want to run for office, so that's <laughs> good to know. Don't drink the... Actually, if you murder a hobo, you're more likely to be elected to office, I believe. Oh, this is true. Uh, all speaking right. Of, speaking of politics, did you see fucking George Bush give Michelle Obama candy? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that. I was going to say... Uh, I, I think it was last night when we were uh, watching the pay-per-view, I was going to tell you guys that one of my, one to me, one of the funniest friendships in the entire world is George W. Bush and Michelle Obama. They like totally dig on each other. Like anytime you see them around each other, or whatever, they're just tight as fucking can be. It's just so funny to me. Like they're just buddy buddy. <laughs> hey, I have friends that that are way smarter than me that I shouldn't be friends with, mm. and they answer questions for me, and then I just say stupid shit and make them laugh. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's what probably their relationship's like. <laughs> but yeah, I just, yeah, I did see that though. George Passioner a mint at the funeral or whatever. You know, Laura's like, he, he did always have a thing for them chocolate ladies. <laughs> Which, you know, good for him. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, fucking, he's how old and still kind of can get it. So, I mean. Well, and you know, it's one of those things where people are like, well, wow, that's really, you know, they're crossing the aisle and blah, 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 and the Obamas and the Bushes are friends and that shit. They all eat at the same time. Exactly. They all go to, the, from the beginning, they all go to the same restaurants, they all go to the same dinner parties, they all get money from the same people. Just in case anybody doesn't know the big secret, they're all fucking you. <laughs> so don't vote for any of them, because you vote for one, you're just voting for the other one. Nobody vote. No, no, that's different though. You're wrong, Aaron. You got to rock the vote though. You're no, no, no. He's wrong. All I got to do is rock these gym shorts. Hmm. And I'll be all right. No, he's good. He's wrong. You're wrong. It does matter who you vote for. I don't vote, so. Well, then you have no right to complain. No, I think I have all the right in the world to complain because I didn't put the guy there. Y'all did, so when no. they messed shit up, that was your decision. No, all decision the pe- all the people that didn't come out to vote two years ago are the reason fucking Trump's in office right now. Because they could have changed it. Because, because since complain. you didn't go vote... Because since you didn't, and I don't like Hillary Clinton, so I'm not even talking about when Hillary Clinton was running. I'm talking about even just the general election. Now you got me fired up. Since you didn't go vote, fucking the guy with the swastika living in his trailer did go vote, and you didn't. So you didn't counter his vote, so Trump won. So the whole my vote doesn't count is a complete, utter fucking lazy bullshit answer to that question i didn't say my vote didn't count or doesn't matter or whatever i I didn't say my vote didn't matter either i don't when people say that listen listen i didn't say that when people say that it's bullshit i did i didn't because they're the lazy lazy are you gonna let me say my piece when i'm done lazy right now you're calling me lazy and i'm not lazy okay politically lazy people in our country, lazy either. 
Not voting is politically lazy. No, it isn't. Why? Explain that one to me. The biggest, the just, biggest I role, think, the biggest think, role you can play in the I political process. The biggest role you can play in the political process is voting because talking well, does I nothing. I, I'm, I don't usually talk about it. How often do I talk to you about politics? Never. <laughs> okay, so I don't usually talk about it, right? Right. Because I also don't agree with just going to vote for somebody because you don't like the other guy. If I don't like either one of them or any of the lot of them, I'm not going to give them my support at all. Sometimes you have to pick the lesser of two evils. No, you don't. Yeah, you, you do. Not the last election is proof that you have to pick the lesser of two evils. We, I don't like Hillary Clinton. I think her and her husband are complete and utter pieces of trash. But I voted for Hillary Clinton because she was the lesser of two evils. We were better off with her for four years than we are with him for four years. She's not going to get us into World War III. She's not going to fuck everything up, and he is. So sometimes the way the political process works, unfortunately, like anything else in life, sometimes you have to fucking keep the trash inside for a couple of days. Well, I'm just saying, <laughs> if we keep just if we just keep running the cliff like a bunch of lemmings, then it's never going to change. You're right, and you know what? I know I'm right. Thank we, you. We should have put the, the American. Goodbye. Don't cry. The American. If the American public would have put John McCain in office, we'd be having another election, or we'd have a new president. Well, no, because he would he wouldn't have expired. But he he died after his two terms would have been up. So, no. But he it would have been different. So what I'm saying is, your vote does matter. What we do does matter. Whether you vote for the lesser voting is the only thing. I'm just saying. I never said that my vote doesn't matter. No, I know. I know. I said that it's it's my. But not voting is irresponsible. And I it's think my, it's my right as an American to vote, right? Yes. Then it's my right as an American not to vote. Okay, but it's the only voice you have. So if you aren't going to use it, then what's the point in having it? Then somebody else can have mine and they can vote twice. <laughs> All right, I'll take it. I don't really <laughs> give a shit. Because guess what? At the end of the day, I am a lower to middle class American and. The entire time we've had all these different presidents, my social standards or my social, how do I want to say it? Like, I make enough to live comfortably, but I don't make enough to where if the economy has something bad happen to it, that I'm worried. You know what I'm saying? But it does make a difference in people's lives. I'm going to use it. Let me give you an example. We've gone. This is. I'm still recording this. Jesus, I should have fucking. Anyway, let me give you an example of how it does matter. Okay, just real quick. It does matter because, example, my wife and I both two jobs, two separate insurances. Okay. Before that wretched fucking Obamacare, her and I could have been on the same insurance. One of us, could, we could have said, oh, whose insurance is better? Picked one, 
and paid $150 to $200 a month for insurance. Since Obamacare got passed, we are not allowed to do that anymore. So now we have to both carry our own insurance through our employer since they both offer insurance. And instead of $150 to $200 a month, we have to pay $500 a month in insurance. That's why it makes a difference. It does make a difference for regular people. Because before, we were spending $200 a month in insurance. And after that bullshit, we are spending I, three. I Do you see what I'm saying, though? It does make saying, a difference but to me personally, for regular people. It hasn't, it hasn't affected me at all. Not yet. I don't have no kids. I ain't married. Not yet. I not never. I don't want kids. But it wouldn't make they a drive, difference if her. And I, it wouldn't make a difference if her and I had kids anyway. We still had to pay because of fucking Obamacare. We have to pay three hundred dollars more a month in insurance. I know, and I don't plan on getting married. And my, I've gotten a couple raises and a nice car, and mm. I'm I'm okay, and I can afford beer. Well, that's because so I'm all right. And that's, and that's because you're a hardworking person who's personally responsible. But what I'm telling you is I know that it doesn't... I wouldn't go that far. I'm a hardworking person. <laughs> you're personally responsible because you get up and go to work every day. That's a big personal responsibility. Ask most of the people that live in our town. Sometimes my but... socks don't match, but I go in. <laughs> I think here's here's the issue, and I, I know I've been quiet here recently, but... Um, the issue is that, yes, things might be okay for you and things might be okay for, you know, me and stuff. I mean, you know, I'm blessed with a good job. I mean, but the problem is that, you know, future generations may not be. Kyle, we won't mention the name of your company, but you work for an auto manufacturer. Correct. Yeah. And if we get the wrong president with the wrong ideas about trade, your job could be gone next year. Exactly. Okay. So, yeah, there and, you go. You know. But but the the sad part and the scary part about it is that you know my nephew who is just turned eleven, you know who knows what the fucking job market's going to be in eight years when he enters into it or mm -hmm. if he decides to go to college or whatever the case might be. I mean the fact is that I want to see like in, in my plant where I work right now we have people who are temps and they only work three days a week and. You know, I want to see everybody be able to make as much money as they can because we all keep getting bills. And quite honestly, the thing that people have seemed to have forgotten in this fucking country is the fact that if you want to have money to spend, you need to be able to pay your fucking employees a decent wage so they can go out and buy those goods that you make. Mm -hmm. That is the problem with capitalism is capitalism is great. Don't get me wrong. But the problem is that instead of it working itself out, it's, well, I'm well, going to make the most money I can. Well, but the problem with the minimum wage thing is if they were to raise – the mi minimum wage is a myth, and here's why. Because, okay, if the minimum wage – keep is, raising it, there's not a minimum. Well, not just that, but – if they raise the national minimum wage to $15 an hour, then a $5 footlong becomes a $9 footlong. Then $1.98 milk at Walmart becomes $2.83 milk at Walmart. The, 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 raising the minimum wage will do nothing because the prices are going to be that much more than the minimum wage regardless. Why? 
because you've raised the minimum wage, so these companies have to figure out a way to pay that minimum wage. But see, the problem, I think the biggest problem that I see, Nate, is the fact that, okay, it's just like that. I, I won't state where anybody works, but I've worked in retail before, and I've had many conversations with my supervisors where they're like, hey, we have to cut you know, so many hours this year because we, they want it below what it was last year. And it's mm-hmm. like you not understand that eventually there's not going to be any hours to cut. They don't care, the, though. No, and I understand that. And I think the <laughs> problem is, is that because we have allowed people to become publicly traded companies where they answer to a board of directors, where instead of making, making $4 million in profit this year, they went 4.5. Mm-hmm. And the problem is that you're still making $4 million in profit, but your workers and the people that work there, they're losing out. So they're not going to be able to buy those TVs and buy the, you know, the niceties and stuff that people want. Something tells me that the three of us need another podcast. I think well, I so. Just, I just know that I almost voted one time for president. And I almost, I would have voted for John McCain. And then he brought his nurse. He was like, I'm going to take my nurse with me. <laughs> I was like, I don't like your nurse, man. And and you have Whoa. health issues and you could pass. And I don't want that. I don't want that lady being president. Like, I don't. And then I'm done with this after because I got to one for I got to get up for a minute. But the other, I just I don't agree with just voting for somebody just because you don't like the other guy or the other lady. I don't vote for I but I don't vote for somebody because I don't like the other guy or the other lady. I vote I normally this last last election for me was an anomaly. I voted for Hillary even though I I hate her politics and I hate her husband's politics and they're disgusting human beings. I voted for her because I didn't want Trump to be president. But every other time I voted for somebody, I really have voted because they're the one that captures and represents the ideals that I believe in. And that's fine. That's what I can respect. But all I would ask for is for somebody to respect the fact that I refuse to just blindly vote for somebody just because they're the person that I hate the least. That's not how it should be. No, but when somebody when gets you're up put there it, and speaks when you're to me, put into, I'll go and vote for When them. you're put into that position, we were put into that position. And we were put into that position because during the primary process, people didn't come out and vote. So the wackos came out and voted, and they put Trump in the position he was well, in. That's, that's good for the wackos, because guess what? They found somebody they agreed with. Nobody that's ever got up on that stage is anybody that I've agreed with since I've been able to vote except for John McCain. And then, like I said, he brought Sarah Palin into the picture, and I was like, I can't support that because she's a fucking moron. I'm going to roll Tootsie. And uh, like I said, we may have to talk about founding another forecast or forecast <laughs> another forecast another podcast here in the motley soup network because i like the last i'm gonna roll tootsie half hour <laughs> i'm i'm rolling a tootsie sounds like, right that now. sounds like a weed reference <laughs> i was about to say this sounds like a drug reference well aaron kyle say goodbye to our listeners goodbye bye everybody bye bye tootsie Goodbye. Thank you for joining us on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Please make sure to join us next week as it will be episode number 50. 
We do a lot. We're like we we're like WCW Nitro here. We book a lot on the fly. But we'll have something good for you next week. Thank you. No, I'm in jail. Thank you for joining us, wrestling fans. We'll see you next week on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. That's hot. I love when he says that. That's hot.